insert funny movie quote here. Episode 36. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. America's answer to Monty Python. And now, here are your hosts, Brad Milo and Frank A. Rincon. Brad, every every time I go to all I want when I go to Dickie's Barbecue is soft-serve ice cream. Why is the soft-serve ice cream machine never working at Dickie's Barbecue? Did you go back recently? Yes. In fact, I went there Monday. Without me. Without you. Yeah. I'm sorry. I took, I just took a huge <laughs> swig without a coke. Was it seriously not working? It, it The thing is never working. You know, I don't think they turned it on until... Because the lunch crowd starts at noon. We got there at... I don't know, about 10 till noon, and the little light was on the, the soft serve machine, and, you know, Brad, and I'm th- I saw it, and I go, okay, well, we'll eat, and then we'll get our soft serve afterwards. So we're eating, we're eating, eating, you know, about 20 minutes later, he goes, okay, let's go get some soft serve. And we go there, and it's, the little light's still on, and I lifted the bar, and it comes out like soup. How could this happen to me? I don't understand. Why is my life so horrible? <laughs> but, you know, I did learn a lesson. Did you? What was your I lesson? did learn a lesson. What was your lesson? Never expect soft serve ice cream at Dickie's. That's right. You never want to expect soft serve ice cream at Dickie's. So I stole the napkin container, a napkin dispenser. Oh, uh, did you? That's feel wrong. You feel better now? Mm-hmm. A little. You can go to jail for that. Can we edit that out? Stealing the napkin? Don't edit. Edit the show. I don't want it. I'll take my chances. All right. This is a good honey bun, huh? Mm-hmm. Tasty. Ironically, we're eating honey buns and drinking Diet Coke. Well, it just kind of balances out. It balances out the... Can you imagine just how much of a sugar high we'd be on if we were drinking regular Coke? Yeah. Okay, Brad. So today we we thought about this the other other day, Brad. We both have these grand encyclopedias published by DK. Mine's called the Marvel Encyclopedia. You have the Marvel Encyclopedia. I have the DC Comics Encyclopedia. But Mine both is published the definitive guide to the characters of the Marvel Universe. Mine is the definitive guide to the characters of the DC Universe. How many pages does yours have? Oop, let's go to the back. Whoever has more wins. Oh man, counting the last numbered page, even on the index. Okay, three fifty one. Three fifty one. Dang, we Dang. tied. We tied. Sweet, um, sweet. But so you know, my book has awesome. this beautiful Alex Ross cover with Is a wrap around like mine. It's a wrap around, and uh, oh my had, gosh, I don't think I ever looked at the back. That's yeah, cool. And it has just various uh, DC characters, including Crypto. Who's that guy <laughs> floating on the top left? Mister Mixoplex. Mixes Pitalik. Mixoplex. Yeah, cool. Um, you know what I've noticed about, again, this is radio. It's really a hefty tome. It. It's a hefty tome. But the way Alex Ross characters always have that kind of attitude look 
arms crossed, kind yeah. of looking down at you. Yeah, looking always, down their nose. Yeah, like especially I think like Flash really has the look on this book. Let me see that cover. Ugh. It almost looks like yeah, Batman's got that look. Like you did not just do that. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, Superman's going. He's going. Uh, you really think you can get away with that? You're, you know, I'm Superman. You know, yeah. I can fly. You know Did you I know can, I can fly? You know, I can hear what you're saying. This far away, I can hear what you're saying. <laughs> and then Luther's like, why am I on the cover of this encyclopedia? <laughs> this is stupid. Um, I don't I don't have the dust cover on it's mine, cool. neither do you, but I'm pretty sure it, it runs forty nine ninety five, fifty bucks in disguise. I'm pretty sure that's what yours cost too. But remember that Google had that sale with Google Basket, Google Checkout, Google Checkout, and they were giving away, they were giving fifteen dollars away for any yep. purchase over twenty five. So we figured, let's get it. So you got Marvel, I got DC. Actually, I got Marvel too. But did you? Yeah. But so, and who did your cover? Frank Cho. Frank Cho. It's awesome. It's a. Mm-hmm. It is a wraparound cover. On the front are the heroes, mm-hmm. and then on the back are. The villains, and that's actually the, it's not technically not a wraparound cover because down the spine it says the Marvel Encyclopedia, right? But the the heroes are on the front, and villains are on the back, and that's a that's a great. I mean, that's a great theme. You yeah, know? it's awesome. Um, to where mine it's is a, just it's it's heroes and and villains mixed together. It's just an A to Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great book. So I took notes. Did you take notes too, Brad? They're all in my brain. Um, so I thought we could just thumb through the book, kind of. You know, let's let's look at some heroes that kind of catch our interest. Um, I did write down some that I thought that were either funny or interesting. Cool, go for it. And we're just gonna kind of thumb through it. We hope this is interesting for you. It's interesting for us, so and, it should be interesting for you. And just kind of go through it and talk about some of the heroes that we see in it and, and things of that na- nature. I mean, just opening the book up right here, I have well, there's a there's an entry for Ambush Bug. His first appearance was in DC Comics Presents number 52 back in 1983. What is Ambush Bug's deal? Well, he can teleport anywhere on Earth. Exact limits are not defined. Is he an insect? Um, his status is a would-be hero. His real name is Erwin Schwab. S-C-H-W-A-B. Schwab. Erwin Schwab somehow came into possession of a green suit filled with miraculous technology that protected the wearer from harm and allowed them to teleport anywhere in the world. Unfortunately, this was a case of the right tool in the wrong hands. Did he use it to ambush people? Schwab's major character defect is his lack of linear logic, which gives him a skewed picture of the world. However, Schwab knows enough to want to use his costume and special abilities for the cause of good. Unfortunately, all those he aspires to uh, to bring, um, although he aspires to bring to being a superhero, he always seems to get caught up in complicated events. He was last seen on the other side of the galaxy, trying to ha- trying his hand at being a bounty hunter. And this was published way before Fifty Two. So was he in Fifty Two? Yes, he was. He was I'm, in one of the issues of Fifty Two. I'm in the th- second trade of Fifty Two. What are you thinking? I brought it's right here. Look at this. It just happens to be right here. Um, it, it reads much easier as a trade. Cool. I enjoy this infinitely more in the trade form than I do than I did week the to week. week. Yeah. I have to say, I did like the week to week. It gave me something to look forward to. You and all the other nerds. Nerds. Who you okay. got there? Well, this is a hero called Triathlon, and it was. <laughs> 
it was uh, a hero that um, I believe Kurt Busiek created for mm-hmm. his run on the Avengers with George Perez. Um, yeah, it appeared he'd appeared in number eight of that third volume of Avengers, which George Perez and Kurt Busiek uh, worked on. Um, why? I don't, I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand why he created this character and why he continues to use him whenever he can. I think mm-hmm. triathlon's still alive. Anyway, his name is Delroy Garrett Jr. He possesses physical attributes of strength, speed, and agility that are three times greater than the peak of human potential. Can run fast enough to dodge bullets. Uh, it says an Olympic sprinter brought low, brought low and disgraced by a steroid scandal. Delroy Garrett Jr. joined a philosophical movement known as the Triune Understanding, hoping to realize his latent potential. Jonathan Tremont, leader of the Triune Understanding, merged Garrett Jr. with the cosmic energy shard of the 3D Man and gave his new recruit virtually superhuman abilities. As the hero triathlon, Garrett Jr. joined the Avengers during a fight against the Triple Evil, he temporarily gained cosmic powers when he absorbed three cosmic energy shards. Now, that's it. I mean, that, that's all. That's his whole. I mean, is that really a cool hero? <laughs> I mean, well, you, you I know, can tell you anything he did in the com- in the comics is just. It's almost like uh, Kurt Busiek said, "Okay, let me let me try to come up with the lamest idea for a superhero ever, and I'm going to put him in my new Avengers book." Out of that whole description. The the one thing that I did enjoy was the fact that, and and I like this is that he's three times stronger than the average human or a human at, at this yeah, speed. Yeah, very, very specific with that. I I don't know why, but I like that because that's you know when when things aren't kind of defined, you know. Here I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but it's because it, you have a honey bun in there. <laughs> But it's like, I, I mean, I want there to be some magic, but I also want to know the limits of some of these heroes, you know. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe I don't. I think I'm talking out both sides of my mouth. Well, let's talk Honey Bun in there. Honey Bun. Let's talk about Karate Kid. He's playing a role in it, the current countdown. Yeah. Karate Kid. And something interesting about him, at least personally. Um, he's in the Legion of Superheroes, right? He's in Legion. He, growing up, he is probably one of the first heroes that, or one of the first titles that I can not only remember owning, but wanting to be like him. I guess all kids in some form want to, you know, they, they always want to know karate and stuff like that. Yeah. And my brother actually did that. He 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 was into the martial arts. And I can remember, you know, you always want to be like your older brother and stuff like that. And I just remember, I want to be karate kid, you know, and I used to run around the house and, and stuff like that. Anyway, excuse me. Um, born in the 30th century, Val Armour was abandoned by his parents and raised by a sensei and a, devote and a de- devotee to martial art disciplines. The mastery of physical disciplines became an obsession, and once he learned all the fighting styles of Earth, he moved on to master those of alien cultures. As a teen, he wandered the galaxy seeking spiritual enlightenment and the further enhancement of his combat skills. Eventually, he joined the Workforce, a a competing team of the Legion of Superheroes run by the corrupt Leland McCauldy as a way of bombarding, abroading his experience. 
Soon, he left the workforce and joined the Legion full-time under the codename Karate Kid. And um, I remember reading somewhere that he knew karate so well, or martial arts so well, that he could defeat Superboy. Did that happen in one of their... their I forgot where I read that. Well, I forgot where I read maybe, that. Didn't he recently fight Batman to a standstill? Mm-hmm. In some... I forget which book it was, but... Countdown. No, uh, Justice League. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, mm-hmm. if you can beat... If you can fight Batman to a standstill... Right. Well, that was that was um in the 70s when he supposedly could beat Superboy, and that was before the crisis, so yeah. you know, things have changed. Who do you got? Multiple Man. Jamie Madrox, the Multiple Man. Uh, currently, he is in the uh, current X-Factor book written by Peter David. After his parents died, Jamie Madrox... Uh, mute. Oh, they forgot, a, they forgot an apostrophe S here. Okay. Jamie Madrox's mutant power to duplicate himself ran riot. Basically, he could make a duplicate of himself. If somebody hit him or if he fell or I think even if he punched a wall, mm-hmm. a duplicate of himself would pop into existence. So he couldn't die because he was he was always being copied or well, that's a good that's a good question. Um I don't know. If, apparently not. I mean Maybe if he got shot, he could die. But mm-hmm. if, if some form of impact of some kind, mm-hmm. um, like I think it was one of Peter David's uh, recent issues, he fell down uh, some stairs. Mm-hmm. And at each step he fell down, another one of his duplicates popped out. Bloop, bloop, bloop. So by the time he made it down the stairs, there was like 15 Madroxes sitting around on the ground. So uh, do they fuse back with him? Or? He can. Basically, reabsorb them by touch. Okay. And uh, up until recently, that's I believe that's the only way he could do it. Now he can summon them through his own willpower, and they just kind of fly back through the air, and he just absorbs them okay. into his body. So I guess in a in a pinch, if if someone was beating him up, just more of him would pop out, and then would he'd be yeah. duplicated? Okay. In fact, Madrox was in X Men Three. Oh, that's right. Remember in the forest, the X-Men thought they'd surrounded the uh, the Brotherhood of Evil right. Mutants or whatever. they I forget what they call themselves. But it was just Madrox and all his duplicates, his multiples. I remember that. Okay. Occupying the forest, and it fooled the censors. Um, really quickly here. Madrox became a member of X-Factor, making the first few trans- friends of his life. After X- Xbox... I was going to say after Xbox. He made some friends. After, after uh, he wasn't comfortable around other people mm-hmm. until he became friends with the X-Factor team. Uh, after X-Factor was disbanded, Madrox sent his duplicates out into the world to experience all the possibilities life had to offer. Basically, when when he absorbs a duplicate, he also absorbs their knowledge and any, anything, oh, that, they've, that's cool. anything they've experienced. So he... In a recent story arc of the uh, X Factor book, he has started traveling all across the world, finding his duplicates and reabsorbing them. And in fact, he found one of his duplicates who had married a woman and had a family. And if I remember correctly, he did not reabsorb that duplicate. He let that duplicate have his own life. 
Cool. Yeah. So it, yeah, that, that's a really cool character. Is he a villain? No, he's a he's part of X Factor. He's a okay. he's a hero. You know, when, when it comes to um, like all those X Men teams and stuff, since I'm not a big Marvel reader, I don't. Yeah. Like I, I don't know who's who's a villain and stuff. But like in that. the movie, you know, he was part of the he was a bad guy. In oh, the movie. You know. Okay. Uh, the next hero I have, which I'm choosing kind of an old one here, his name is the Human Bomb. First appearance. Yeah. Well, let me. I'd like to know about that. guy. Okay. First appearance. Police Comics number one, August 1941. Really? Police Comics. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if they had like a. Doctor Comics or a Gardener <laughs> Comics or a or a, or a, a Banker Comics, um, Construction here, Worker Comics. Uh, his special powers can generate a biochemical explosion with just a touch. Repeated punches increases force of explosion. He um, he's always wearing an asbestos suit. He's he usually has a shield. He's part of the Freedom Freedom Fighter Freedom Fighters. Excuse me, Freedom Fighters. I can't say that. Here, hold on. A vamp for a minute. Vamp for talk about Freedom something. Fighters. You okay? The Freedom Fighters. Yeah. Had a little hiccup there. Sorry about that. Yeah, so right. let me read this little thing. Roy Lincoln helped his father, a chemist, perfect an explosion known as 27-QRX. To keep the compound from falling into the hands of Nazi spies who killed his father, Roy ingested it. The chemical turned him into a human bomb. Forced to wear a containment suit of fibowax, the bomb battled home home front threats during World War II as a member of the All-Star Squadron and the Freedom Fighters. During the war, Monte, Montague T. Curley McCuke, a guy named Sordo and Red Rogers, were provided with limited explosive powers by Lincoln and joined the raids on the Japanese army. The human bomb has also also had a connection to uh, Her- Herstos Thormorton, a middle-aged man who received an emergency blood transfusion from Roy and later manifested explosive powers in his feet. In his feet? That's what it says. Does it help him <laughs> jump or something? Hang on, I need to. I need to get up to the roof of the house. I'll touch you with my feet. If I'll you're make not my careful. feet explode. <laughs> no, I'm on the roof. I'll make my feet explode. I will stay away, vile temptress, or I will explode my feet in your face. Uh, and there's a picture of him, in case you want him. Yeah, he was in. Um, He's I've, the one who Bizarro popped, uh, punched up in Infinite Crisis, and uh, remember Bizarro said, "Pretty explosion," and he was punching him. Yes, I think I remember that. Yeah. I vaguely remember Bizarro beating somebody up who was exploding. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know uh, Jonathan Lowell Spencer Storm was not the original Human Torch? Uh, yes, I do know that. And the you know how human, I know that? Uh, how? Through Marvels. That book, Marvels? Yeah. Yeah. The first Human Torch uh, was an android created by Professor Phineas T. Horton. But the professor's dream of creating a perfect human being failed when the android's body, which was covered in photoelectric solar cells, burst into flames upon contact with oxygen. Astonishingly, uncannily, amazingly, spectacularly, (laughs) incredibly, uncannily, did I say that one already? (laughs) Astonishingly, I said that one too. I think you may have run out of... The android itself was not harmed by the fire. At first, the public fueled by the news media, labeled this human torch a menace. 
The torch then rejected his creator's ownership. Fire bad. I'm on fire constantly. Claiming he didn't want to be a slave to someone more concerned about his own fame than his creation's well-being. Once he learned to control his flames, the Human Torch vowed never to use his power for evil or harm, and he became a crime fighter. When World War II broke out, the Human Torch teamed with other superheroes, using his abilities to fight the Axis powers. He had a, uh, a little sidekick named Toro. That's right. I don't know if that. I don't know if Toro was a android or a human. You know what? I'm going to look him up in the T section. Okay, you look him up. I seem to remember reading something online about Toro. But tell you what, while you look him up, I am going to look up. I'm going to tell you about Genius Jones. Toro's not in here. Uh, Adventure Comics number 77. Genius Jones? Yes, August 1942. A a musical group in the 90s? Uh, August Jones? of 1942. You notice I'm going for the older, kind of more obscure heroes. Yeah. Um, his superpower, um, way ahead of his time, encyclopedic scientific mind enabled him to answer any question, conduct extraordinary research, and invent amazing contraptions. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Let me read the description here. After his boat was wrecked, young Johnny Jones found himself stranded on a desert island. Hoping to attract a ship to rescue him, he built an enormous fighter fire using 734 books containing knowledge of every possible kind that he salvaged from the wreck. Fortunately, he had read and and committed to memory every single fact in the books contained during his long stay on the island. Jones' plan worked perfectly. The towering blaze was spotted by a passing ship and he was rescued. On return to the U.S., he decided to put his his hard-won knowledge to good use, styling himself genius jones he constructed a portable laboratory in the back of an old convertible and offered to answer any question for a dime okay (laughs) when costumed heroes were in vogue during world war ii jones called himself the answer man (laughs) he actually charged people a dime (laughs) well back in the back in the day that was that was worth a lot i guess huh Man, that's funny. When I read that, when I read that little entry, I was like, that made me smile. A dime. So he's not really so much a hero as he is kind of a businessman. Uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know what the uh, the kingpin's real name is? No. Wilson Fisk. Nice. You know what his middle name is? Mm-mm. Grant. Wilson Grant. Now, I've, I've known forever that the Kingpin's real real name was Wilson Fisk. But uh, you know what his occupation is? Crime Lord. Criminal Mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you sure he's a criminal? Ma- is that uh, what he puts in his taxes? I guess. His, uh, he's six feet, seven inches, and he weighs 450 pounds. Whoa. And his hair is a uh, nun. Mm. Oh, um, that means he's bald. Never mind. <clears throat> it's invisible. <clears throat> I just thought that was funny that his his uh, occupation was criminal mastermind. Well, let me give you a villain now. This is Deadshot, which you know, early in my reading career, I used to, or when I started reading, I used to get Deadshot and Deathstroke mixed up, but now I know that they're completely different. Deadshot first appearance, Batman fifty nine. 
No, wait. Let me see Deadshot. Does he have that like that thing on his eye? Yeah, I, don't they both? Yes. Doesn't both him and Deathstroke have one eye? I don't know if they. No, they don't. Let me see that he picture. Has, he has both his eyes. De- Deadshot has both his eyes. Oh yeah, he's got something. Yeah. Okay, I know who it is. Um, but let's see. He's a villain, uh, Floyd Lawton. Um, expert with all firearms and projectile weapons, guns, and targeting scope integrated into his costume. Okay, here's his description. Arguably the best marksman in the world, Floyd Lawton has a had a miserable childhood, manipulated by an overwearing mother, Lawton uh, by mother Lawton. Floyd's brother Edward shot his father and left him paralyzed. When Floyd tried to stop the violence, his brother died in the struggle. Floyd relocated to Gotham to start a new life as a criminal, quickly rising to the top in a costume that made him a walking gun. During a stint in Bellary Prison, Deadshot received an an offer from Colonel Rick Flagg to work with the U.S. government's Suicide Squad in exchange for performing uh, insanely dangerous missions. He would receive amnesty for his past crimes. Deadshot didn't care; he wanted to die. He served as a core member of the Suicide Squad, but but survived every mi- mission, much to his disgust. Deadshot later married and his son, who died in a botched kidnapping attempt. Currently a solo a- agent, he accepts only the most challenging and high-paying contracts, such as the failed assignment to kill David Kane. And then it tells me to see Kane, David. Um, and let's see. And before he could testify in court about the murder for Vesper Fairchild, see Fairchild Vesper, his indifference for his safety makes him truly dangerous. I'm going to look up David Kane. You know what Peter Parker's middle name is? No. Benjamin. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. Two minutes. Here. You take the you take the last two. I'm going to look up David Kane here. You now have two minutes. <clears throat> Let's see. I'm looking. I think so- I... I seem to remember we were kind of worried when we were talking about doing this episode, but it kind of worked. I think it worked kind of good. Speedball. <laughs> He's kind of infamous yeah. lately. Uh, Speedball, first appearance, Amazing Spider-Man annual number 22 in 1988. I have that, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Special powers and abilities. Personal force field allows him to absorb all kinetic energy directed at him and reflect it back at a greater velocity, which he often does by bouncing off objects. While working as an intern at a research laboratory, Robert Baldwin was accidentally bombarded by bubbles of energy Mm. from another dimension. A gang of thieves attempted to steal some rare metals from the lab, and one of them struck Baldwin with a gun, triggering his new powers. You know, when you read these out loud, (laughs) some of these are just (laughs) stupid. Genius Jones? Yeah. Human Bomb? Who, who was it that charged a dime to answer questions? Genius Jones. He doesn't sound um, like much of a genius to me. Really quickly, David Kane. Uh, he is an adventurer. He's a villain and one of the world's greatest martial artists. Uh, knows every move of every fighting style on the planet. Ooh, so him and Karate Kid would have a uh, mm-hmm. would have That'd a good cool. score off. Okay, I think we're about. I think we're done. Ah, uh, the beep hadn't gone off. Well, Let's be prepared. Let's be early. Okay, what the heck? Uh, actually, by the time we wrap everything up. Well, there there you go, it Lee. is. Okay. I was trying to find one more silly name. 
of uh, the headmen. The headmen head comprised four brilliant individuals, each so confident of their abilities that they were convinced that they should rule the earth. United by Dr. Arthur Nagin, they agreed to combine their talents to gain control of the planet. Despite obvious ability, their tactics were at best questionable. Hmm. The names of the five headmen are Gorilla Man, <laughs> yeah, Ruby Thursday, Orago the Unconquerable. Actually, it says he's not a member. He just happens to be in the photo here. John Do the Mystic and well, yeah. <laughs> Shrunken Bones. You know, um, you know that um, comic books are drawn. <laughs> Could they not draw? Not a photo. You mean that's not a photo? Yeah. That's not an actual photo taken with. Th- Could they not take that one guy out? That was not a Polaroid. Okay. Good show, Brad. Please call us at 614-715-3900, extension number 775-0064-POUND to uh, say hello and leave us a, a voicemail. And visit us at thecomicforums.com. Visit us at our website, halfhourwaste.com. Drop us an email at halfhourwaste at gmail.com. And tell your friends. Guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on A Half Hour Wasted. See you, Brad. Bye, Frank. <laughs>